The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Grove. If I haven't met you before, my name is Ryan. I'm the pastors on staff here. Excited that you are here as we finish out our very short message series called Let's Talk Turkey. Uh, and no, it's not a series based where we're going to talk about the bird. Although I do want to stop for a moment and talk about the bird. There are two things I want to say. The first one is this. This is my first time communicating to you all post the 40-year mark. So I just had my 40th birthday. So if I fall down and pass out, I hope there's somebody that knows CPR. It could happen. It could happen. Uh, and the second thing is this. I do want to talk about the bird because I love Thanksgiving. If you don't know that about me, um, I dream every year that for my birthday, um, I will get a full Thanksgiving dinner, which the last two years I have because my wife is amazing. The only weird part that you might think is that it's two weeks before Thanksgiving. So I get it back to back. Kind of wish my birthday was halfway through. That might be better. But, um, but this year for our family, we've got, I don't know, 20 to 25 people coming to the shindig that we're going to. We're having what I like to refer to as the turkey trifecta. So we're going to have the oven roasted turkey with with all the stuff, it's always amazing. We're going to have a smoked turkey on the Traeger, and then we're going to do my world-famous deep-fried turkey. It's not really world-famous, but I think it is, so it's Ryan-famous for me. Uh, if you haven't had deep-fried turkey, you, I'm telling you, you got to get out there somehow. It's incredible. Uh, but no, that's not what this series is about. Let's Talk Turkey. It started last week, and Heather did an incredible job. Um, if you missed last week, I want to highly encourage you to go listen to that podcast or vodcast. You can find it on our website. Um, really, really good, life-changing, perspective-altering. Uh, um, and we're going to continue on that today, uh, which is the idea of not just because it's Thanksgiving, capital T, the holiday, but the idea, certainly in theme it works for this time of year, is the idea of, of the role that gratitude and then today, talking specifically about Thanksgiving, the lowercase t, giving thanks, the role that that plays and the benefits that it has in our lives. And in fact, this really is kind of one message, one idea, but for time's sake, on a Sunday morning, uh, we split it into two. So it's actually the same passage of Scripture that we used last week. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to take those out. We're going to be in First Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16, as you're turning there, I want to recap kind of where we jump into this for those that might not have been here last week. And 1 Chronicles is really um, chronicling the life uh, of David and the Israelites. Okay, we're talking about David as in uh, King David. We're talking about as in David and Goliath David. And in chapter 14, 15, and 16, you see that this widespread battle and, and, and uh, their arch nemesis, the Philistines, this neighboring nation um, that they were fighting against, David... Uh, in 14 and, and, and into 15 is actually anointed king over all of Israel. So a little theological, historical background here. Um, Israel was actually divided into two nations at one point, Judah and Israel. But this is the moment where we see those two nations unite together. And, and what Heather did a great job explaining is that they defeat the Philistines. Um, and so what we read through chapter 16 is this incredible party that they have because of the gratitude that they feel in their hearts for what God has done for them. And I want to pause for a moment, and I say this a lot, but I think it bears repeating, I get it. It's hard for you and I, for several reasons, to really try to put ourselves into the shoes of what the Israelites would have been feeling coming out of this. I mean, we read it and say, great, there was a war, okay, awesome, they won, and now they're having a party. But for a moment, not only is it that we weren't there, that it's hard for us to relate, uh, it's also hard because we're sitting in this nice cozy room in some cushioned seats, just having some coffee, probably a couple cookies, maybe some of you too many cookies, whatever, right? It's hard to put ourselves there, and we're a little bit numb to stories like this. 
And we're numb because, I mean, every single one of us through movies and books that we've read and, and TV shows, I mean, we've all traveled to outer space, you know, with Star Trek and Star Wars and other stuff. We've seen things that aren't even real, that seem impossible. We've watched war movies and we've been um, through scenarios and watched people go through agonizing uh, life situations that cause us to, you know, I don't know if you've ever watched a movie that just kind of really impacts you, maybe even makes you cry. I mean, not the men, but the women, right? You watch a movie, right? And it, and it, right? But we see these moments like this. We, we need to realize something, though, and I'm going to ask you to try just for a moment to put yourselves into the shoes of why the Israelites are celebrating the way they are and the level of gratitude that they have. Is I want you to think for a moment, if you were a woman, do you know what would have happened to you had the Israelites lost? Do you know what the men of the other nation would have done to you? Unspeakable things. Do you know what would have happened probably to some of your children? Unspeakable things. Certainly, it already happened, but could have been much worse as they lost through this battle and through wars, husbands and fathers and sons, right? But they knew that it could have been that much worse. And when you come through something like that and you see God give you victory, that's why they were feeling this unbelievable amount of gratitude and partying and celebrating the way that they were. And so we pick this up in First Chronicles. Again, remember, this message is really one message, but for time's sake, we split it into two. It's the same passage of Scripture, and I just want to pick it up from 39 through the end of 16. And it says this, Meanwhile, David stationed Zadok, the priest, and his fellow priests at the tabernacle of the Lord, at the place of worship in Gibeon, where they continued to minister before the Lord. They sacrificed the regular burnt offerings to the Lord each morning and evening on the altar set aside for that purpose, obeying everything written in the law of the Lord as he had commanded Israel. David also appointed Heman, Jeduthun, and others chosen by name to give thanks to the Lord, for his faithful love endures forever. They used their trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments to accompany their songs of praise to God, and the sons of Jeduthun were appointed as gatekeepers. And then we get to this crux and this most important verse in this, which helps us understand the second part of this ideal of gratitude, and it's the idea of thanksgiving, and it's in verse 43. It says, Then all the people returned to their homes, and David turned and went home to bless his own family. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Let's pray as we dive in. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for a series like this that we, we don't want it to just be cliche or something that just happens because of a holiday called Thanksgiving. And so that's why we do this. And then a few weeks from now, we forget about it. But God, would you open our eyes to understand the perspective of how blessed we really are? Even in our shortcomings, even in our hardships, God, you are working and you've given us so much. And God, we want to have that perspective change in our hearts of gratitude, a way to look at life. And then God, we also ask that you would speak and show us today the second part to that, which is equally as impactful, not only for us, but for others around us, is the practice of giving thanks, thanksgiving. God, would you speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I want to recap just a few things in case, just to set a foundation in case you missed last week. One of the great things that Heather said at the very beginning, there were many of them, and I was taking crazy copious notes in the front row, which we always encourage you to do. So things that, thoughts that come into your mind or, or ideas or, or even sometimes questions, and I wrote a few down. She said a point, uh, two of them, and then I'll, I'll list some of the thoughts I had. She said this, is our default as a people, whether we're going through the, the, the good times in life, the high moments, are we a people that through the low moments and the hardships and everywhere in between, are we people that are known to have an attitude of gratitude? Are we known to be grateful individuals and grateful people? 
And she also used this illustration. Number two is, do you have the glasses of gratitude? It's just a word picture to help us understand how are you viewing life? What, what are the moments that you're going through? What's the interpretation of what you see? And is it influenced by culture and media and all these things? Are you seeing, am I seeing reality? Here's a couple of things I wrote down. The first one is this. It was a simple question. It really was to myself, but, but I'll ask it to you as well rhetorically. Do the struggles of life overshadow the good moments in life? Do the hardships and the, the finance struggle and the arguments that are happening and the jerk at work and this and that and the other thing, do those things overshadow and grab our attention and our focus? And do we forget about that there are also ways that God has blessed us in the good moments in life? I wrote this down, just a thought. I said, it seems that when things are going good, we just kind of roll with it and are the times when we can tend to not be grateful and yet, it's the times when things are not going good, or we face possible situations or problems in our life, or we have one of those quote-unquote scare moments that we are moved to gratitude. Weird. Anybody else there? When things are going well, and things are going, we just kind of roll with it, and, think, and we almost take them for granted. We don't really think about it, and yet it's the, and it's the times when things aren't going well, or we're faced with a situation, or we read a story in history like Heather ended with last week that reminds us of how good it's in the kind of those moments that we are brought to a place of being grateful for what we have. It's like a reality check. And there's moments in our life that play out like this. I want to give you an example of one that happened uh, with my wife and I just a few years ago. Um, we decided to go shopping, as most people do, right before the Christmas time. It was the week leading up to Christmas. Um, we went to Bell Square, so we were at the Bellevue Mall. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm not one of those guys that hates shopping. I just hate shopping with my kids. There, I said it, okay? Um, right? Like, I don't mind shopping if me and my wife, but when there's kids, it's different, right? Like, you, you get a whole much, much more responsibility, and they fight with each other, and they they just do things they shouldn't do, so it makes it a little bit stressful, but this is what we were doing. And you ever notice that, you know, somebody set the scene, um, malls are, and, and, and shopping places are busy already, but during Christmas time, it's like you got double the amount of people, right? So it's like double as crowded. And then normally you've got nice wide aisles that you can walk through and people can pass going other directions, and yet during Christmas time, they take up all the floor space with extra displays of things or coat racks, and now you're just like, you know, you're trying to get through, right? So this is us, and we're shopping. Now, when we just had Emery, right, I'll speak in sports terms for you, defensively speaking, we were double teaming, right? There's two of us, one of her, right? We were good. Okay, then when we had Cole, we had to switch up our defense, and then it was man-to-man, Okay. You got her, I got him, I got her, you got him, right? Then when we had Cade, it had to change again. Went to the zone defense, okay, right? So this is us, right? And when you shop with little kids at that age, because they would have been probably two, four, and six, or seven, somewhere in there, right? Um, you're kind of looking at stuff, and you can say, ah, I don't really like that. Where's Cole? Okay, there he is. Yeah, this word, Emery? Oh, okay, good. Hey, put that down, right? I mean, you're just kind of doing this head bob thing, right? And that's the part about shopping with kids. It's just hard, right? And, and, and this is what we're doing. And then all of a sudden, I look up. And I can't find Emery. Okay, and, and it's fine, right? But what I'm about to tell you takes place probably within, I don't know, 20 to 30 seconds. Um, but it seemed like 20 to 30 minutes. I can't find her. So I start out by going, oh, man, where did she go? Oh, she went over here. Right? And I'm looking. I'm like, okay, well, there's Cole and there's Cade and there's my wife. And I'm looking and she's not over here. Babe, do you, do you, where's Emery? I thought you had her. I don't have her. She probably wandered over here. And I walk several places and there's just a sea of people, right? And she's short and small. So I'm like, I literally can't see. But as each second goes on, the temperature of fear in my heart begins to rise. Anybody ever been there before? Okay. 
And, 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 and instantaneously, we've talked about this before, the brain works so quickly, probably 30 different images of articles I've read, movies I've watched, or news things are like, she's been abducted, kidnapped, and sex trafficked because she's a little blonde-haired girl. That's where the mind goes, and I am scared, and I'm about to become that guy, right? And it takes a lot for me to become that guy that doesn't care about tact, about my, you know, what's around, I'm about to cause a scene, but I'm about there because the fear rises in my heart. Can I also tell you, by the way, pause for a moment, all the things leading up to that day from, from the argument that, that uh, Adrian and I had on the way there, because I didn't really want to go and take a bunch of kids, and it was going to be crazy, and I had other stuff to do. The other things that I thought were really important in my life, like, man, the, the financial struggle, and I'm, how are we going to do this? Can we even afford these gifts? And the pressure from work, and I got to do this task and this thing, and all of those things that were really important ceased being important in a moment. And what really was important came to the forefront, which is the well-being, things that I had taken for granted, the health and the safety of my kids. And there's these moments in life that I believe God allows us to go through. It even happens in the movies that I watch. Right? You ever watch one of those movies where it's not even a real story, and yet something happens, and you're like, man, this makes me want to go up and hug my kids and get in bed with them because they're safe, right? those kind of things? It's these reality checks that help bring our perspective back to reality of what's really, really important. I don't know what it is about us, but there's almost like this default that continuously, here's another thought I had as Heather was speaking, is that we continuously are comparing ourselves. And we've talked about the killer of comparison before. When we look at what everybody else has compared to what we have, well, they're so good at this and I'm nothing. Well, if I could just have that because they've got that much money, then, then I'd be good, right? It's just, and we're always comparing to better situations than ours and not by default comparing to worse situations. And that's why we become ungrateful is because it's all the things that I don't have. I want to share a social media post from someone. It was an individual that was on the team that we sent to the Philippines and there was a post that she put out there as she came back. So I want to read this to you. I'm going to put it up on the screen, but I want to read it. She just said this. She said, today I find myself completely at a loss. I still don't know what day it is or how to reconcile my experience last week to now being home. My friends, we are blessed beyond incomprehensible measure, and yet we don't recognize it and take it for granted every day. We have families and friends who love us. We live in a nation of freedom so why are we so selfish, offended, jealous, and entitled? Why do we always want more? What would it take for us to be satisfied and grateful, to love unconditionally, to sacrifice yourself for someone else, to help those that need us, those that are hurting, to share our abundance? What do I do now? I'm trying to figure it out. I'm thankful for my experience, and I never want to forget it. Hashtag bring the mission home. Moments in life that realign the perspective of what we have, and when we see people that don't have what we have, it reminds us of all the blessings. Every single one of us in this room, I'm not going to do it, but if I ask you to raise your hand, if you consider yourself rich, financially speaking, I bet you nobody would raise their hand. And yet compared to 95% of the world, financially speaking, no matter your upper class, middle upper class, middle class, lower middle class, or lower class, you're still filthy rich compared to 95% of the world. But our perspective only sees what everybody else has that's more than us. This killer of comparison, another quote of a leader that I value very much, he's the leader of our network, the Assemblies of God. If you didn't know that we're a church, it's a part of the Assemblies of God. And he wrote this about a month ago. He said, jealousy has no place in our lives. 
but we all face its quiet poisoning of our souls. We can and do become jealous of others, and the Spirit helps me to recognize it. The root cause of this, I'm unsatisfied with what God has given me, and I believe I deserve more. The antidote, repent and fully accept what God has given me as a genuine gift from Him, and trust Him with my future. Ecclesiastes 9, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Great scripture. It says it this way. Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Better what the eye sees, what's right in front of you, what you have, than the roving of the appetite to all of the things that you don't. Another translation says it this way. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless like chasing the wind. And so this is a two-part idea that functions in tandem with one another. That last week is the inner change and internal perspective shift that happens that has benefits for us when we cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And then this week, part two, is really about what we do once that starts to happen in us. The natural outflow, which is as meaningful and transforming to us and to others Around us. That's why David had said, we read that scripture in verse 43. After the celebration, after the, the gratitude that they experienced, after all of these things that they went through and giving sacrifices to God, it says, then all the people returned to their homes and David turned and went home to bless his own family. When you and I realize the blessings that we have, we in turn go back and try to bless others, not just our families, but others around us. And you might not know this, but every single day you have opportunity. And you are, whether you know it or not, for good or bad, influencing and impacting people around you. Your kids, if you're a parent, it's absolutely happening. In the workplace, it's happening. You've been given platform to do that. I'm going to give you an illustration of how this works. Just a few years ago, there was a Boston consultant who was mentoring a group of emerging graduates, and they were getting ready to enter into the workforce. And he asked this group one day, he said, there's one word that is overwhelmingly used by business owners, CEOs, etc., across all industries, industries to describe your generation, do you know what it is? And they kind of looked at each other like, who's going to go first? Like, what, what, you know, what? And so after a few seconds, he goes, well, let me give you a hint. He said, the word begins with the letter E. Excellent, one student said. Energetic, another offered. Exceptional, someone else said. And on and on, more chimed in, and finally the consultant said, the word most often associated with your generation is actually entitled. He was speaking to the millennial generation. And now before the older generations of Gen X and boomers and builders in here go, yeah, that's right. Millennials are, man, they're lazy. Man, all they do is sit around and play video games all day long. Or they just expect things to automatically be given to them like they've already earned it. They think they should just come right into an organization and get a management level position instead of starting at the bottom and working their way up like I did. And even though those things are true, might I offer a piece of perspective? We're the ones that raised them. <laughs> we bear part of that responsibility of why their reputation, not all of it, but we bear a responsibility to their reputation is that they're entitled there's actually a lot of articles out there on this, and we don't have time to go through it all today, but there's two major influences that experts point to of why the parents of the generation, the Gen Xers specifically, or, or depending on where you were at in the boomers, that could potentially be it as well, major influences that caused this. One is overcompensation, and number two is overprotection. 
I just want to touch on these briefly. I'm just trying to illustrate a point of the impact that you and I can have on others around us. Overcompensation. The experts said that the rise of separations and divorces amongst Gen X parents rose drastically from their predecessors, the boomers. And due to that, many parents overcompensated and gave their kids whatever they wanted and disciplined far less out of either a guilt they felt over the divorce or separation, and for some, out of a, a, a seemed necessity to be their friend over being their parent. How many of you know there's a big difference if you have kids between being a parent and being a friend? That doesn't mean that being a parent doesn't mean you can't also be a friend, but there's a priority there, isn't it? If we, if it can, I don't even have teenagers yet. I know it's going to get worse. But I have a nine-year-old that when I discipline her, I got a seven-year-old when I discipline him that I already get to, well, I hate you. But if that's what drives me is to be their best friend, I start to abdicate my role and responsibility primarily, which is to be their parent, not their best friend. When I was a youth pastor about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I watched this and I didn't fully understand it then because I was a little immature, but I watched families within the church get divorced and I watched some of my students, I watched the dynamic of their family dynamic. I watched dads abdicate their roles as fathers because many of them, the, the kids would go live primarily with the, with the mother. And so out of this necessity just to keep relationship, especially for teenagers, was I'm going to give you what you want. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to discipline you as often because eventually there's the opportunity. They say, I don't want to go to dads anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with him. And so it became this thing where we were overcompensating. Not every situation is exactly the same. But this was something that went into the training and the bringing up of the millennial generation. The second part was overprotection. I remember back, and that wasn't that far when I was a kid, a teenager. But even in my day, you actually had to do something special or win something to get a trophy. Anybody else with me on that? Right? But the reality is, as experts are saying, and they cite that our overprotection of our kids in many ways, even to that point of not wanting their feelings to be hurt because they didn't get a trophy and somebody else did, has directly helped train them to expect things that they hadn't earned. Again, big, deep topic, but does that start to show the idea of how some of these things start to play in to how a generation is raised? Now, the question is, is what would have happened if all of us Gen Xers or boomers that have kids that are considered millennials, what if we had understood this back then? Would it have changed the way that we would have done something and would they have a different reputation? The simple point is this. It's not just with our kids, but it's the fact that you and I, through our actions, what we say and do have the power to impact and influence those around us. And so if last week was specifically on the topic of gratitude, that inward transformation today is specifically on the thanksgiving, giving thanks, the outward expression of the gratitude we have and what impact that can have on the world around us. I love this quote. It's not happy people who are thankful. It's thankful people who are happy. It's not about once I arrive and everything's perfect and all those things and I'm happy and I got enough money in the bank and I got X house and I got this many kids and then this is finally here, then I'll be happy, then I'll be thankful. Experts and studies actually show that it's thankful people that could have far less than other people do are much happier. And so I just want to simply kind of drive this point home with two questions. What would happen if we became a people known for or who began practicing giving thanks on a regular basis? What would happen to other people around us? I mean, just at face value, just, just initially. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I think most of us would say, man, when somebody says a sincere thank you, man, that means a lot to me. 
Now that makes me feel good about either what I did or what I said or, or who I am or what I mean to them. And that feels good. And that makes me want to keep doing that, right? When we say thank you to something, somebody for what they've done, said, or who they are and what they mean to us, that helps them perpetuate that same cycle. What gets rewarded gets repeated, right? Because some people might come to a place, man, I put myself out there and I help, but nobody says thank you. Maybe it's just not making a difference, so I'm going to stop doing it, right? Even at surface level, there's one. Let's go a little deeper. You showing gratitude and thanksgiving to individuals might actually enlighten them to a gifting that they have that they don't recognize or realize. An example, hey man, you made me feel so welcome when I joined the team. I didn't know anybody, but you kind of helped and showed me where stuff was at and you checked in with me. It just made me feel, man, I wasn't fish out of water. I didn't know anybody, but man, thank you for doing that. Here's another one. Man, you really have the gift of hospitality. I mean, you hosted our Christmas party and you had everybody over in your house. I mean, I wouldn't let anybody come over to my house, let alone 50 people for a Christmas party. And you're so good at that. You just have such a gift of hospitality. Or you have such a gift of encouragement or discernment. Did you know that many of the giftings that I had, both practical and spiritual, I didn't even realize I had them until somebody else affirmed them in me? When you and I turn and take that gratitude and that transformation and start putting it out, it actually will train and encourage and lift people up, even to the level of helping enlighten them to giftings that they have. Let me ask you another question. When's the last time you said a sincere thank you to someone? Hey, not just a hey, thanks but a sincere thank you with detail about what they did and what they mean to you. Let me get real specific. When's the last time you said thank you to your boss? Whoa, but they should be thanking me. Do they know how much I do around here? I make everything happen. Is that the thoughts that we have? When's the last time you said thank you to your boss for giving you a job, for allowing you opportunity to provide for your family? to take leadership and ownership in an area within an organization that they care deeply about? When's the last time you said thank you to your boss for trusting you? When's the last time, actually, let me pause this for a moment. Let's flip it for a second. Bosses, some of you are owners of a company, vice presidents, CEOs, maybe your management, supervisors, a direct report of some kind. When's the last time you said thank you to your employees? Well, that's what they're paid to do. They get a paycheck. There's a great podcast I listened to just a few days ago by Andy Stanley. Um, if you're not in the church world a lot, um, he's a, a leader of leaders. Um, he's really influential in the U.S. and around the world. He's got a big emerging church and growing church, but he also, also just got connections on leadership level, even outside of church, um, where he has relationships with you know Fortune 500, 100, Fortune 50 companies. And he said something in this podcast, he goes, without exception, Every one of these leaders of great organizations, including myself in a nonprofit role, would say that as a boss, as a leader, the thank you that you give to somebody will make, yes, you need to have vision. Yes, you need to have a product and, and, and advertise. Yeah, you need to have systems to make that all work. But the gratitude that you as a boss, a supervisor, give to those individuals will drastically change the way that individuals work and find value in your company. If you, as a boss or an owner, start to give thanks to your people, and not just a, hey, thanks for doing that job, but hey, man, you really did this, and, and I know that took you time to figure this, and you thought about this and found a new way to do that, which is saving us money and time. Did you know that they will repeat that in a heartbeat because what you just gave them is more valuable, even though they might not say it to you? If you came up to them and said, would you rather have money or thank yous from me? We'd all say money. But the reality is, is we all really want that gratitude and that thanksgiving that comes from that, that starts to create a different, I'm just an employee, I'm going to do the minimum that I need to do in this organization, and all of a sudden it starts to change it, and they have ownership eyes. 
And they'll start looking for those opportunities. Game changer at that level. Last question, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. When's the last time you said thank you to your spouse or a family member if you're not married for what they do? Well, it's teamwork. I mean, she does this and I do this and we make it work. Well, well, they, they know. I mean, they know that I'm grateful for what they do. Well, when's the last time they said thank you to me? Well, I probably pull more weight around here anyways. Are these the thoughts? Is this the self-talk that happens for some of us? What sort of walls would be torn down? What would sincere gratitude expressed to your spouse or other family member bring? What level of value and care would you feel from them and them from you? How much stronger would the unity be between you? What sort of values would you be modeling to your kids and to others that then much more likely they would grow up to obtain those same values and perpetuate that with their kids and influence things for generations? I want to end with this. I'm grateful for so many things. More than I could have time to tell you today, but I want to share just a few with you. Here's a social media post that I saw the other day. And when I read this social media post, I wasn't in a great place. I wasn't in a terrible place, but I was feeling overwhelmed. But honestly, it was this week, and man, there's a lot on the, on the docket of things to do and not enough hours in the day. I don't know if you ever relate you know, to those moments. And then on top of that, I got to prepare a message for Sunday. I know I'm going to be working Friday and Saturday and be away from my kids. Just all this stuff. It, it's just where I was. And I read this. So today's agenda, this individual wrote. Five kids' dentist appointments. Jeez. One fundraiser pickup. Three parent-teacher conferences at three different schools. One ballet class. Help six preteens make dishes for Friendsgiving for youth group tonight. And finally, chauffeur those preteens to and from church. Not enough hours in the day. Overwhelming. But that wasn't the end of her post. It's two more lines. Impacted me that day, and I needed to hear it. I needed to hear it. I needed to read it. She said, "Big family equals busy days equals beyond blessed." We could look at that through the eyes of man. I got too much to do, and, and this complaining attitude. But big family equals busy days equals beyond blessed. Have a great day, everyone. Transformation on the inside for her. Putting it out there. Encourage somebody else who read it. And not everything you're going to do is social media. But this one I needed to hear that day and it encouraged me. I'm grateful for my wife in more ways than I could ever explain for what she does. And I do not tell her enough. I'm grateful for Nick and Heather for allowing me to be on their team and giving me a shot six years ago to be a part of this church that gives me the ability to stand on the stage, which is more of an honor than I could ever even try to describe to you that I get to challenge you and encourage you and speak to you. I'm grateful for them to give me a shot at that. Two last things. I'm going to throw a picture up. I'm grateful for every single team member we have, and I could use every single one of them as an example, but I don't have time. But I'm grateful for Tim Martin. He's our elementary coordinator. He oversees first through fifth grade on Sunday mornings. If you've got a first through fifth grader, that's where they are right now. And that's my son, who's four years old, standing on that stage, and he has no business being in that class right now because that's not his class. But in my family, both my wife and I work here, which means my kids are here from about 6.45 in the morning until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. For a four-year-old, that's overwhelming to be in class that many times. And he was burnt out and he was melting down and my daughter had brought him up there to play games because there's stuff to do in between services and she was going to take him back down to his class. But Tim saw he was melting down and he looked beyond the circumstance, beyond the rules, beyond the stuff, and he saw a person, four years old, but a person who was struggling. And he said, hey, why don't you come be an illustration for me? And he sat him on stage, and he was David, and he was doing this whole teaching part. And if you can see his face, 
He's not real happy. He's a punk sometimes. But I'm grateful for Tim. I'm grateful for people who look beyond their circumstances. I got a program to do. You're not supposed to be here. This is cramping my style. It's throwing me off. It's, it's putting my focus. And look beyond that. Last thing and I'm done. One of the greatest things that I'm grateful for, and I hope this encourages somebody here today, is that I have a God who hears my prayers and he answers them. Many of you know my dad passed away. It was a hit to our family in March. We lost him to cancer. And my mom came up, and I've got four brothers, two sisters that all live up here. And so for the summer, she came up and, and was with us. But in October, she went back home to her new normal down in Arizona. And I was talking with her on the phone one day, just seeing how things were going. And of course, if you're ever somebody who's listening to a phone conversation that you can only hear one side of it, I'm talking to her and she's telling me that you know she's lost a lot of weight because she just doesn't want to eat because she's sad. And my dad really was the one who cooked a lot. And so those two things combined, she was losing some weight. And so I'm talking with her and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I got home a couple days later. My wife handed me this letter. She says, you need to read this. It's a letter from Emery. And she had wrote it to my mom. She said this. Happy early grandparents day. Yeah, we haven't sent this letter yet. We're bad parents. Okay, that's another story <laughs> for another day. She's going to be up here in like a week, so we're going to give it to her then. She said, I hope you have an awesome time with Ivor and Camille. That's her neighbors this winter. I love you so much and can't wait to see you. How hot is it in Arizona? I hope it's not too hot. The $5 will help you get food you need or clothes or whatever you want it to go towards. You can FaceTime Ryan whenever you want. I hope you're not lonely. My mom said if we can raise enough money, we might be able to come over for a week. Yes. Right when I'm writing this letter, I'm at school, smiley face. I wish you could live with us. It would be so fun. This year it's supposed to snow really, really hard. Will it snow in Arizona? That would be cool. I love you so much. Love, Emery. And my daughter got it wrong. She didn't understand the conversation. My mom's got plenty of money. That's not the reason she wasn't eating. But Emery thought she didn't have food because she didn't have enough money. And she, she took $5 that she had that she'd been saving for something else. And she wanted to send it to grandma to help her out. And you might look at that and say, oh, Ryan, you're being emotional, so I'm there with you. But I'm grateful because what you don't know is that before my daughter was ever born, and I'm not making this up, I prayed prayers over my children and I asked the Spirit to lead me in those prayers over them, just calling destiny into what their character would be. And I might miss some of it, the things that I prayed out, but I remember praying for Emery. God, would you create in her a heart that is sensitive to your spirit and to the things that are going on? Would you give her a passion and an understanding to help people that don't have enough? Would you give her a heart that when she's at school with kids, that she would have a heart for the ones that are on the fringe to try to bring them in? Would she be a reconciler of people and to try to bring them in? This is an answer to prayer for me. And it's not just because of this message. It's not some fancy way for me to tie something in. This is truth. And somebody in here, you need to hear that your God hears your prayers. And I'm thankful for that. And it might not have come to fruition for you yet, but it can and it will in his perfect timing. And so for this week, this idea of the gratitude and the transformation that happens inside of us and then the outward expression of what we do. Gratitude is what we feel. Thanksgiving is what we do. That when you do that this week, and not just this week, but beyond, not just because of Thanksgiving, not just as many as we'll do is go around a table and say what we're thankful for on Thursday. 
but that it would be a lifestyle and the change that we would see come from that. I want to encourage you that this week to step out into thanksgiving, to find ways to give thanks. Don't miss the opportunities that God has given you to influence and impact others around you. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you. You're so good to us. God, we want to walk this out, that it's not just something that we think about because of a holiday and then it's gone. But we can be truly happier people when we understand the truth and the power behind gratitude and in turn giving thanks for what we have. For those of us that need a perspective shift, God, would you bring it? We want to know the truth. We don't want to live in a false world. We don't want to be caught up wishing and always thinking about how things could be better. But we want to be grateful for what we have. We say that we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.